Oh, how's it going today, Keith? Oh, going pretty good, John. I'm uh, sorry. I saw you starting. I had to interrupt you. What? No, no. I That's fine, man. Um, I didn't actually have a uh, start. You, you, I was thinking for a second. You were you had your hand up your mouth open like... No, I, I was, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I didn't have a, a good starter. Uh, all I was going to, I was going to kind of talk about an idea for this, this episode. Uh, I just kind of diagrammed out here, but, um, you know, uh, this is episode 90. Yes. Wow. 90 yep. episodes. We're getting up on our anniversary soon too. Yeah, That'll be uh next episode. It'll be our two year anniversary already. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to figure out something special for that. I like it. I don't know. I don't know what we'll do, but I don't yet either. We should have thought that through more. That's a week away. Yeah. All right. We'll see what happens. It's time to hit the trail, lock in those hubs, and throw it into low range. Because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. They're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up. Here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. All right, John. Um, I have noticed lately, and we've talked about it on the last couple of episodes, that uh, 4x4 talk mm. has been building more and more. We're getting a lot of requests every day. Yep. Uh, we're still only a, a few hundred members, but... I'm seeing more activity, and I'm seeing people that are interacting with us more on there. Yeah, not I, just us, but with all the other listeners, too, which is awesome. And I think it's a lot because of what you tell them at every episode where you're like, hey. Thanks for uh, listening, and have a good one. Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, they're they're just they're used to you saying, you know, if you want to interact with us, and, and people are getting used to that. And so I kind of got thinking about it, and I was thinking we ought to do uh, a straight-up 4 by 4 talk episode. I'm for it. I just went and jotted down. Um, I went through four by four talk, and I, you know we can't get every single one of them here, but these are some of the recent ones in the last week or so that our listeners have either asked us questions about or asked other people about. Okay. And so I was thinking you and I could bounce back and forth. I know we've already answered on some of these. I don't know if we've both answered on both of them. Um, I know you're a lot more active on it than I am. I I see it, and I'm unfortunately very very forgetful in responding. So. That's my bad, guys. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, we're busy lives. It's hitting this yeah. for me. Um, I'll go two, three, four days without being on Facebook, and then I'll have a day where I'm slow at work or whatever, and I'm on it, you know, every break and every lunch. So it's just yeah. kind of a hit and miss for me. But uh, you know, I just uh, I do like that people are interacting with us, and like you said, they're they're interacting with the other people as well the community the community that's the right <laughs> word the community the four by four community yeah, out there i like it and uh you know um starting off here uh on my list I might as well just go down through the list it's the easiest way to do this um we're gonna do a shout out to connor decorte i think is maybe how you pronounce it or maybe it's decorte i'm not sure if the if it's a tay like a spanish pronunciation but he's in australia oh, so cool. what would an australian accent be on that Corte. What's that? Cote. Cote? Yeah, it could be. Well, so, there's an R. There's an, was there an R? It's D-E-C-O-R-T-E. Okay. So anyways, Connor um, from Australia. Oh, oh, I got it. What's up, mate? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know what, Connor? I swear to God, if he starts doing Crocodile Dundee, uh, I'm, I'm going to throttle him. Um, you know. Throttle? You're supposed to throw me with a knife or something, and then oh I could... my god, that's not a knife. Uh, anyways, oh, so bad, so bad. Man, Sorry, this is Connor. Sober. I hope this isn't offensive to you, man. Um, 
Anyways, uh, they're you, Australian. They don't care. Yeah, yeah. They're cracking yeah. other Fosters and laugh along with yeah, us. Yeah, thick skin, thick skin. Um, and I mean, if you live in a country where eighty percent of the animals want to kill you, uh, you know, you probably don't care about this. <laughs> Well, I mean, the jokes, I mean, well, you know, one thing actually on a side note about Australia is they have kangaroos. Yes. I've and, heard they're good eating. Well, so I have eaten them. They're delicious. Oh, nice. Um, jerky and stuff. But Little. the kangaroo is developed into such a fighter. Okay. The male kangaroo is the only mammal in the world where his testicles are on top of his penis. Um, okay. And that's so if when he's fighting... He gets kicked in the nuts or whatever. It's hmm. you did not know this. No, no, I've never looked that far into kangaroo reproductive system. Yeah, it's a very odd, so you didn't know about that about kangaroos. <laughs> no, nope. we taught you something about kangaroos today. Uh, apparently, yeah, yeah I'm, so... I'm going to use that one later. <laughs> <laughs> very odd, very odd. Yeah, anatomy. I got a lot of those weird random facts in my head, and uh, that one's going to go right up there with the rest of them. <laughs> Good bar talk. I don't remember where I even <laughs> learned that. I've known that for years. Nice. And I was just like, and maybe I'm wrong on it, but I mean, I'm, you know, I that's what I was told. I looked it up and I, I thought it was right. But we'll have to get in more some of those weird facts in the after show, maybe because I got a really funny one about a duck. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. I think. Um, well, anyways, Connor, uh, he was looking for inspiration. He wasn't really so much as a question, but he was looking for inspiration about mounting mat tracks on rigs. Like on the well, on the Magic. down so in Australia, those, the track things like the the big plastic tracks, the guy, yeah, yeah. those and are cool. They are pretty cool. Um, and and I think he said in his uh, in his post that uh, he was looking for inspiration to mount them on the tray. So for hmm. our U.S. listeners, the tray is the bed of the truck, which on um, Australian rigs, New Zealand rigs, and a lot of places that are south of the equator. Uh, when they have uh, what we would call like a mini truck or a small truck, instead of having a bed, they'll put a small flatbed on the back and they'll put toolboxes and they'll put all sorts of other things. They're a lot more popular than having a sided like fleet side bed like is popular here. And uh, so they call them trays. And he wanted some inspiration, like how do you mount on the tray? What's the best way you're doing this? And him and I kind of went back and forth a little bit. And I said, you know, I said, they're not really popular in the U.S. Yeah. And I think it's part of the cost. Um, they are they are expensive, and uh, I don't know what the MSRP is on a brand new set of mat tracks. But I know that um, you probably for a good set of mat tracks, you could buy a um, low to medium priced winch for the same hmm. price. And so in the U.S., like I explained to him, mat tracks are great in the sand. Yeah. Um, you know, but we don't have a lot of sand wheeling except for like out maybe California and Nevada and stuff. And still, What's most of that Silver Lake. Well, yeah, that's sand. Or but sleeping bear. You can't wheel a sleeping bear. Well, I didn't know that. Well, actually, I think there's Parsons you can, but <laughs> so, no Silver Lake you can. Uh, but most of our, our hardcore wheeling in the United States is mud and rocks. And so mat tracks are not good in the mud because they get slippery and stuff. And rocks, they just, I mean, unless you're using it to literally stack up on a rock so you can get up over an obstacle, they're not as popular. Um, you know, they're, they're like basically a surfboard with tread and yeah. they, they, two of them, they carry them around. Um, the overlanding crowd has, uh, embraced them a little bit more than the hardcore off-roading and rock crawling crowd. Mm. But, um, so mounting suggestions, personally, I always thought that if you were going to run a set of mat tracks, like on a Jeep or something, I'd mount it. They're pretty light cause they're plastic. Yeah. Mount them to the roof, like a pair of surfboards. That looked pretty cool. That would be kind of sweet. You know, plus it's a Jeep, so if you go upside down, you're good. 
Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, you know, I've seen guys mount them on the side, but if on a tray or something like on the on the bed of a flatbed truck, I mean, the options are endless. One of the things I've seen a couple people do uh, in pictures and, and a couple of ultimate or not ultimate adventure, um, SEMA couple of years ago is where they'll take the mat tracks on a small flatbed and they actually use them as bed sides. Huh? So they, you know, like a stake bed side. Yeah. And so they make some mounting brackets. And so you can still use the bed to throw crap in, but that's awesome. You know, so that's a neat idea too. There's yeah. different ways of doing it. Hmm. But, um, uh, what were you looking the MSRP on them or something? Were you? No, I was just uh, turning my volume down. On my oh, phone because I right. forgot to do that. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that, that's kind of my thinking about the Matrix. What, what are your thoughts on the Matrix, John? I like them. I don't know, um, more or less like the ones you roll up on and just kind of temporary install on them or the ones that actually replace the tires on them. No, no, no. Mat tracks, as in, um, the, the ramps. Oh, I, I might be using the, am I using the wrong word here? Maybe. Or I'm thinking of the wrong thing. I'm thinking of the ones that it's like the, like a snowmobile belt. I think those looks, are mat tracks. That's what I thought they were. Yeah. Huh. Hang did, on a second. Maybe just, they're maybe they're also co- maybe we just did a whole beginning of this episode <laughs> saying the wrong darn thing. Oh, um, we're totally keeping this. <laughs> well, I mean that's fine. Um, no. That, yeah. He says, "Show me your mounted mat tracks. Looking for inspo inspo on a tray." So yeah, I, mat tracks must also make them. Um, okay, I'm gonna Google this right as we're doing this because we can do this. Yes, yeah, so I'm thinking on it. It's like a. Like a bulldozer tracks. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. Is that not? Are we? Am I thinking the wrong thing? Uh, no. So you okay? Yeah, they are mat tracks, but mat tracks are also the ones you mount that are like the, the like you said, like the bulldozer and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So no, what he's talking about are the ones that look like a bodyboard, like you would recover oh. a dead body with. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, all right. My head's way in the wrong place. Yeah, but no, no. I'm glad you said something because there's actually some confusion there. And I knew okay. I knew what he was talking about when he was talking about the, yeah. m- the mounting of them. That would uh, make a lot more sense. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, they're, they're usually like orange plastic. There's okay. some other, ARB makes one that they call their Tread Pro. Like you said, like a body recovery board. Yeah, it looks like that, but yeah. it's, it's got tread on it. And... Uh, yeah, those are those are all. All right, that's cool. And that's M A T R A X. And I think actually, let me see, Matt tracks with that you're thinking of. I think he's got two T's. Oh, I'm gonna look up right now and see. Is that like an English American spelling difference. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> the, the what you're talking about, and all of a sudden I lost my Wi-Fi signal. What's going on here? Uh, I believe what you're talking about are called Matt Tracks, M-A-T-T-R-A-C-K-S. Oh, he was okay. talking about them with an X at the end. Okay, okay. So, all right, listeners, uh, sorry to confuse anyone out there. Matt Tracks versus Matt Tracks, two you're, different you're spellings here. Johnny today, aren't you? Well, I mean, I think we kind of screwed with each other because your, <laughs> your mind went one place, mine went somewhere else. Yeah, I'm imagining a whole different kind of bedside here. <laughs> okay, all right. So you get what I'm talking about now. Yeah. They're, they're those big. Yeah. So you can see how they're not highly useful in most yes. places in the U.S. <laughs> yes. Um, they, mud, they're, they're okay with. Um, does my joke about putting them on the top of the Jeep make more sense now? does. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. I, I, I was kind of like, what is he, where's he going with this? But okay. I swear to God, it's just water in this. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's probably vodka. Um, or moonshine again. No, no, no. All right. So that would eat through the now, plastic. so you know what we're talking about. What are your thoughts on mat tracks with a X? I definitely like mounting them on the top. Yeah. Or like you said, they'd be great as like a bedside. 
It's on the or tray. No, yeah, that'd be really cool. Like dual purpose with them. Yeah. Instead of uh, just strapping just them to a bed. throw a ladder rack. Be fine. <laughs> throw them right in a ladder rack. <laughs> well, I mean, just strapping them to the bed or putting them on the hood. Like, I've seen a number of the um, H1 and H2, H3 crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, they For some reason, they were really big in, with those for guys for a while. Huh. Kind of the mall crawlers, I think, is what it was. But they were mounting them to the hoods. And, Ew. you know, on a Hummer, you only have like a foot and a half of windshield already. Yeah. So now you just added, you know, six, eight inches of uh, material to your hood. You don't have Ew. a lot of vision. No, no. <laughs> I saw one up in the UP running around like that one year. And they had, it was a, really a, a badass H1. They had some 42-inch IROX on it. Ooh. and On uh, an H1? Uh-huh. That had to be sweet. Yeah, it was very cool looking. <laughs> um, but then they had some mat tracks, but they were mounted to the hood. And... They were pretty low, but I was looking at it, and I'm going, oh, man. <laughs> and then I saw another H1 a year later, and I think it might have been the same one because they may have decided that it wasn't a good mounting location because then they had gotcha. them on the back ramp style Okay. on the back of the H1. And I, I think that maybe they went, oh, yeah, the hood wasn't the greatest look. How big are those things? Uh, I think they're about the size of like this uh, this tabletop that we're at, so like five foot long maybe, okay. 16 inches wide. Well, yeah, not as wide as the tabletop yeah. here, but... Um, About the width of a tire? Yeah, Maybe yeah. A little bigger? Yeah, so okay, that they're, they're kind of like a little narrower than a bodyboard. But I think, yeah. you know, you can use them as a bodyboard. It, it, that is one nice thing about the mat tracks. Um, I did see a... Right up forever ago, about the time that they started to promote those things. And I think it was maybe an Overland Expo or something. And they were doing a bunch of, like... Um, uh, they were doing a presentation on first aid off the trail, like mm. so if you're emergency situations. And one of the examples they use is if you had a Matt Tracks board and you needed to strap someone down that had like a head or huh. neck injury, that you could use the Matt Tracks board to awesome. you know, strap them down. So that's another purpose for yeah. them too. So I'm not I'm not hating on the Matt Tracks, but what I'm saying is it's this big bulky thing you gotta carry with yeah. you. It's gonna and take up a lot of space. Exactly. Is it worth this? the space <laughs> now australia where they got a lot of sand um if you're wheeling out like pismo out in california or you're wheeling uh nevada desert um somewhere where you're just getting a lot of loose sand or if you're wheeling sahara or middle east or something like that mat tracks might be a better investment than a winch yeah like he said in our conversation i mentioned that most people are spending winches he goes we don't have a lot of stuff to winch off of yeah and that's the thing you know over here we got trees and big rocks everywhere if we're wheeling in sand, we can still use a winch, but then we got to use a land anchor or we've yeah, got to dig a hole and put a tire into. in it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, the metrics are a cool piece. I, that, I do yeah, like Now them. knowing the proper definition also makes more sense why you said the uh, price comparable to a winch. Okay. Because I've looked at those before for Jeeps. I'm like, that's like eight grand. Oh, yeah. Why? No, no, no. Uh, the <laughs> the Matrix RC or RKS, uh, yeah. those are a little different. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so, moving on, buddy. Um, Mr. Billy Lemire, I hope I have the pronunciation there correctly. Lemire. Um, I don't know, I didn't read the name. He, uh, <laughs> L-E-M-I-R-E, um, he Lemire. Had, is the one that brought up the question about the alternator, bigger alternator for the TJ. Did you see that uh, one? I remember reading it, yeah. Okay, so um, he was asking about a bigger alternator because he's getting a lot of drainage while winching. Yeah. And um, so we got into a conversation on there. I got involved in that. I think our buddy Bernie Stanaway down in uh, Arizona. I remember seeing a comment from him on yeah, that. Yeah, uh, a couple other people. I said, I'm terrible at responding to this stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think CJ from Ventrest Garage uh, maybe even chimed in on this one. Um, you know, like these are all um, big-time 4 by 4 people in our yeah. community here. And uh, they, um, you know, basically what we were telling them is – uh, the a bigger alternator is not a bad idea, but 
your winch and all of your accessories actually run off your battery. And yeah. the only job of the alternator is to recharge the battery. Yeah, charge and maintain. So the big high amperage alternators are, are great if you're draining loads all the time. Sure, it's not it's not a bad idea, but a deep cycle or really healthy battery or even dual batteries yeah and proper gauge size wire so you know there's guys that'll i've seen guys uh run winches and they go and they cut up an old set of jumper cables to run for their mm. winches and you know maybe they're the cheap ones cheap chinese ones or whatever and the whatever the ot gauge is very small <laughs> on them yeah you know you need that big you know that that four out or that that two out you know even one out um welding cable basically that's one thing i remember looking up when i was doing a little bit of research for wiring on uh, project xj um for the battery cables i'm running all two gauge on that one there you go and one thing a lot of the write-ups said is go with a heavier gauge ground cable because that's where your most draw is yeah across that yeah, so you, you can't go I'm too going, small. I'm going pretty overkill too big. on this. Yeah, you can't go too big on those. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, with the battery, because, you know, that's something, and a good rule of thumb is you should be able to, with a winch on your vehicle, you should be able to, with the engine off, run your winch at full power for three to five minutes. <laughs> um, and if you can't do that, then it's a battery issue. Because, yeah. the, obviously, and when I see the engine off, People go, well, why the engine off? It's because, think about it this way. Let's say you just hydrolocked your engine in <laughs> a water hole, big, big water hole, and you've got to get your rig out of the water hole. I never would have thought of it this way, but you it makes need, perfect sense. You need to be able to pull it out without yeah. running the engine so the alternator's not operating. So you want three to five minutes. If your battery and your you know, your electrical system can't support that, then you, you want to you want to look at upgrading that, and the alternator is gonna have nothing to do with it because yeah. you're running battery power only at that point. Hmm. Um, so a good deep cycle marine battery. Um, for years, I ran the Optima yellow tops and blue tops, and mm. they were great. But the the quality in recent years has been questionable. I've heard that about them. You know, which is disappointing because I always wanted an Optima battery. Yeah, and I just started seeing the quality of them or hearing you know reports of quality. I mean, even with the auto parts store I worked at, we warrantied a couple of them. Yeah. It's like, you just spent that much and you had a warrant. What? <laughs> that was um, my old Silverado 454 uh, truck that I had. Uh, actually had the optional dual battery setup, even though it wasn't nice. a diesel. It was a, it was a gasser, and I had two red top Optimas in it. Nice. And I had put two brand new red top Optimas in it, and two years later, they both lo failed low tests. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really sad. Um, but yeah... Uh, you know, Brat Pack FJ60 out there, that's only got like a, I want to say it's a 50 or 60 amp alternator, if that, on it. Mm. And I run a Warren 8274 on it. Uh, most recently, I was running an interstate deep cycle marine battery in there. No problem. I had yeah. a couple times where the engine's not running, whatever. I could winch for five, six minutes, no problem nice. without draining the battery. So um, that's really what you want to think of yeah. uh when you're and it's not just a jeep tj it's all your rigs i mean i yeah. ran suzuki samurais with 35 amp alternators and twelve thousand pound winches yeah no problem I'm trying to remember the original one on uh the, the um, pegasus there is there the mercedes alternator was like 60 amps it was something pretty small yeah and you know it's, it's winter i got the heater cranked i got the radio headlights on now if i turn rear wipers or like the rear defrost on or something Ooh, I could watch that voltmeter slowly drop down. <laughs> well, you see, and that's uh, that's where I was going to say with the alternators, the winch does make a difference, but that's an intermittent use thing. Yeah. If you've got a lot of things on your rig that are being used constantly that are electrical, 
that's really when you need to look at an upgraded alternator. Yeah. If you're running a trail cooler fridge that is always <laughs> running, um, you know, you need a little more power. Exactly. Or if you're running um, big light bars all around the place, uh, yeah. The new LED lights don't have as much of a drain as the old, um, you know, halogen, halogen like yeah, the, the KC lights and stuff. But you know that all that stuff, all it these, adds ex- up. and if you're running a, a like say a uh cb radio or ham radio and all this stuff on there and you're putting all this extra yeah. extra load on the system really dual batteries it dual batteries will outweigh uh a single battery all day long oh yeah and dual batteries will outweigh a larger alternator all day long because you know if you've got a, one of those i forgot the name of the company uh we used to buy them for my dad's work trucks because they had electric spray pumps on them mm. and they were like a 200 amp alternator and they were great um, I think they're big greens or mean greens. Oh yeah, yeah, mean yeah, green, mean greens. Yep. We used to run the mean green alternators, and they were great. And I looked into their starters. But the okay. thing was, it was like you know, the if the engine's not running, you still need to be able to. Yeah. So the battery's more important than the alternator. That's one thing I did upgrade to a hundred amp alternator. The uh, the Saab alternator for these Ohm six one sevens, fantastic upgrade. But I still would love to do a dual battery setup eventually. Just because it is a diesel, it's old and tired, and yeah. in the winter, she gets a little angry. <laughs> yeah, you, you're running a single battery right now. Yeah, yeah, dual batteries and that thing would definitely be a good idea. Yeah, I just got to find a place to mount it. If I go to the gel cells, you uh, can mount a, them anywhere. Yeah, and there's a company that makes a kit goes in place of the existing, and you can stack two of them. Yeah, and they've got those smaller batteries too that are the gel batteries now. They're yeah, more that's, powerful. That's what it is. It switches it to. Oh crap! I can't remember. Like two seventy-eight series or something. I'm running a thirty-four now. Yeah, they're smaller than that, but you know what I'm talking about. Oh no, I definitely do. Yeah, you know that's something I kind of wonder. Um, as a side note, uh, with all these new electric trucks coming out, the, ty- the like the Tesla and, uh, um, you know, we've got uh, Bollinger Motors and you've got uh, you got the Hummer, you got the all these Wrangler four XE. Are they going to still? I mean, they're going to have twelve volt accessories. I assume. Are they still going to have a twelve volt port for enthusiasts that want to put a twelve volt winch on them? I don't know. Because if the battery, a lot of so I, a lot of those electric cars, because I've looked into them, are yeah. anywhere from thirty six huh. to like three hundred volts. I would so, imagine there's going to be a step down somewhere. You would I know, think. Um, like first responders, I have to change all their their. Uh, what is it entry techniques to get someone out of one of those things because of all the main conduit lines they've got to use all kinds of special tools and stuff what i would really hope for is that they have it so you can run at 12 or 24 volt because some of those 24 Mm. volt like military spec winches and stuff have more torque than a 12 volt winch does so that'd be really nice Um, i just hope they give me a 220 outlet in the back of the cyber truck so i can you know portable welding there you go. I mean, that'd be perfect. Or, well, with all the battery, what do you need the welder for? I mean, maybe they just can have a welding port on there where you just put your leads in and weld. That would be even cooler. That's what I'm saying. But I'd still need a high frequency for aluminum welding. Oh, okay. I don't know. The whole thing's stainless, though, so I guess I wouldn't really need AC. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> well, you know, like uh, Doc Brown said, that uh, the stainless steel construction was uh, perfect for... Uh, you know the time travel whatever that's why he bought the delorean and back to the future god i i remember vaguely watching the conversation in the movie but i don't remember the content <laughs> do you want to know the most, most you've at least seen those movies right oh many many times exactly i didn't think there was any americans that hadn't seen them and i just found out that my in-laws have not seen the back to the future movies i don't um, know what rock they've been living under but 
You're a terrible son in law. You need to fix that. I tell you what. You need to fix that. <laughs> That's why I said we need to have a movie night one night. I'm for it. I'm um, for it. All right, man. Um, you know, here's another one. Um, McCaden Christensen uh, wants to know about if anyone, and he especially said out in the Utah area, if anyone, he wants to know about TDI Volkswagen diesel swapping a Suzuki Samurai. Hmm. Um, now, the motor he has available or already has is a 1.9 liter out of a um, uh, you know newer Volkswagen. I don't know if you yeah. remember if he said Jetta or Golf or I think he said Jetta. Um, so he wanted to know if anybody had done that um, or if they're familiar with it. There's been a lot of TDI swaps on the Samurais. I've heard of them. I, I've not looked into it because it's just not my forte, but I've heard of a lot of people doing them. So I don't know if they're still around, but there was a company called Axis Power that um, used to make um, swap kits to put the 1.6 and naturally aspirated 1.9s, I'm sorry, the 1.3 and the 1.6 diesels into the Samurais. Nice. Um, when they get up to the 1.9s and the 2 liters, and I, I forgot what the newer ones are liter-wise, there are companies that are still playing with those swaps. I don't know if they're doing them for the Samurais, but I know they're doing them for some of the Jeeps and some other things. Hmm. Um, you know, I personally like the idea, as I think you do, of mechanical injection. Yeah, without a doubt. So I would be more apt to swap an older Volkswagen diesel engine. Agreed. Um, you know, the size is perfect for a Samurai. They're about the same size as a Samurai engine. Um, yeah, the Samurai is about the size of me. So Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, really, the, the the cream of the crop is the one six turbo, naturally aspirated or not naturally aspirated, but mechanical injected engine. Hmm. Um, you know, that's the one that is the greatest for putting into a samurai, in my opinion, because you know you're talking simple couple wire hookup, you're talking you know a couple fuel lines, and boom, you're good to go on an adapter yeah. plate. Uh, when you start getting into something that's got a computer on it, yeah, you, you can get a little more power me. from it. But um, then you got to deal with sensors and electronics and a whole nightmare of wiring on top of that. I'm I, out. <laughs> I do know that uh, one of the companies, and I don't remember which one it was, that was offering the one uh, nine TDI swap for the TJ Jeeps. I know that the kit alone was like six or seven grand, and that Woo-hoo. included like a computer reflash and all the wiring harnesses. Good Lord. And I was like, why? It doesn't seem <laughs> to me, it just doesn't seem to have that that value there. No. <laughs> I still think it's pretty cool. If you can figure out a way it's to cool. If you can junk yard swap it, McCaden, um, you know, definitely do it. We want to see pictures of it. Yes. We saw pictures of the samurai that you put up on four by four talk. I don't know if that's the one or if you used it as like this is my pick for attention or whatever. But it was a it was a total badass looking samurai, uh, John. That's for the after show. Oh, uh, sorry, just adjusting my belt. <laughs> uh huh. And uh, so, uh, anyways, the uh, you know I think that you need to do it. I definitely love diesel samurais. I have only seen one in person. I would I think it might might have been one of the Snowfaris. Nice. Uh, that guy was running around with a one three or a one six. Uh, it was really cool seeing a samurai go back with that go by with that diesel rattle. <laughs> um, and the that guy as well as others that I'm familiar with, they're claiming thirty five to fifty miles a gallon. Ooh, wow. Out of these things, um, which even the samurais hmm. themselves were like twenty three to twenty five, so they're they were pretty good to start bad. with. But <laughs> Getting a little better out of a diesel. Yeah. I mean, for a brick. I mean, they're they're just like a Wrangler. I was, I was hoping for more mileage on mine on that swap, but but I, has I'm the aerodynamics of a cow though. So no, a cow's better. Yeah, I know that's true. We <laughs> yeah. talked about that before. Yeah, 
but a work uh, boot is more aerodynamic. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, the biggest thing with the Samurai, uh, you know, I would, and I don't, I, you've already got an existing one, it looks like. And so work with what you've got. But one mistake I have learned in recent years with the Samurais and building one is they hide rust uh, mm. like a, you know, I don't know a good example here, but um, they are a vehicle that, that will look good on the outside, but they hide a lot of rust behind the fender flares. They'll hide rust in the rear cargo area behind the factory carpet if it's got carpet. Uh, the frames tend to be pretty solid on them all the time. They got a fully boxed frame. Oh, that's nice. And they got that divorce transfer case. They're really, Ooh. they're really a cool little setup. Yeah. But, uh, and you can do the the tracker gear swaps to get your five twelve gears in them. Um, there's all sorts of cheap ways to build a samurai, and I think we should do a samurai episode eventually yeah. where we talk about all the little like tricks that tricks I learned over tricks. the years. I built like four of them. So nice. Um, I've helped you tear one apart. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> And so I, think I that's what that was. I, I definitely want to see you build this thing, but um, my word of caution is if you're gonna put if you let's say you are gonna spend five, six, seven grand on your electronics and your computer reflash and all that, start with a cleaner samurai or budget in maybe an Aqualoo replacement tub, because Aqualoo does make samurai bodies, but they're only like a couple grand. Um, you know, something like that. Because I just would really hate to see somebody put all that time and effort. And then it fall apart. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, that would be my biggest thing. But beyond that, you know, go for it, man. Yeah, that'd be awesome build. build. And, and if anybody out there, if you're familiar with uh, Volkswagen swapping a Samurai, uh, we'd love for you to jump over to 4x4 Talk on Facebook. If you're I'm, not part of the group, join it. And I'm sure he'd appreciate some input, too, on that. <laughs> yeah, and find that. The post is less than a week old. And so it's going to be up there at the top somewhere. Get in there and put a uh, uh, some comments in that, on it because he needs more information. We don't know enough about the 1.9 TDI motor. Uh, I can tell you this, though, a little bit. Uh, the 1.9 TDI motor is a very good engine. Um, my son-in-law has a 1.9 TDI um, Jetta, and it's still a great running and driving vehicle. But one of the things that he learned is they have a balance shaft in them similar to the old 43 chevy v6 that uh can come apart and it can get wiped out and it can cause internal engine failure so a lot of guys that are doing something with a one nine even in the jettas and stuff do a balance shaft delete they actually pull they have the motor pulled apart they pull the balance shaft out of it and they put it back together they run a little bit rougher they without the balance shaft, Ooh, they have a little, diesel that runs rough. I know they have a little that. more vibration, a little <laughs> louder. They sound more like a diesel. Nice. But supposedly, it's it's kind of the way you bulletproof a one nine TDI. Nice. So if you're gonna have the motor out already and you're planning on putting it in, then do the balance shaft Which delete. Makes sense. Do it then, and because the one nine TDI, I think the um, timing belt interval change on that's about 60 or eighty thousand miles hmm. put a new timing belt on it while you're at it so do your timing belt and do your balance shaft delete and before you put it in the samurai because yeah. it, it would suck to just slap that motor in there and then all of a sudden <laughs> have your timing belt go or have the balance shaft destroy your itself yeah. on you so do both of those mods while the motor's out because it's really easy to do them with the motor on the stand yeah <laughs> so, you know, yeah but when it's all wedged in there it's a little more difficult to do those things for sure um, you know, I, I got one more on here, John, that I wrote down. I know there's more on 4x4 Talk, but um, uh, Brent uh, Dutcher, Duche, is that the one we you tried to do that before? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember what we said. He, I know he said I said it right the first time, 
But I don't remember what I said. Okay. I think we just went with Dutcher. Okay. Well, uh, he had asked another question on there, and he had asked a question. I didn't up. even see that one. How did, How am I missing so many of these? That's because you don't pay attention. I guess. To anything. I'm surprised <laughs> you even got here today. Surprised you didn't just drive past and keep going. I've done that before. Yeah, I know you have. <laughs> sure, I'm listening to a good song or something. You're like, there's not a light before. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, his question was, he wanted to know if anyone was running 85W140, so like the really heavy gear lube, uh, in their axle for a lunchbox locker. Okay. Um, versus the 80W90 or whatever would be recommended for whatever axle. I think he specifically said Dana 35 or Dana 30. I, I don't okay. remember. I didn't write that whole thing down. Um, and we got a little bit of a conversation going on there about, um, you know, with a mechanical type locker. Uh, did we discuss this one before? I don't think so. Uh, last week? With the pins and the, the we, clutches? We discussed the lockers, so I don't think we did anything about the fluid. About the fluid. Yeah. Okay. Um, basically there's really no problem doing that with a heavier fluid. Yeah. But, um, you know, you don't necessarily want to play around with your lockers, with the clutch packs and stuff with a heavier weight fluid or a lighter weight fluid, because like a Detroit locker that has clutch packs in it or an Eaton, you, those are specifically designed to operate with a certain weight of gear loop. Yeah. And so if you start messing with that, you could cause, if it's too thin, you could cause slippage and premature failure. If it's too thick, you could cause it where it's not operating correctly, where, burn it up. you know, either burn it up or it doesn't, it either slips or it is too tight uh, because they're actually, you know, the fluid's just too thick for it. I don't know what, what uh, I guess it's more a question of opinion maybe, do you think, or no, maybe, would the clutch pack type lockers like that have issues with the wrong kind of fluid like a transmission? Yes. Okay, so that's something to be aware of, too. Make sure you're going with your factory recommendations for it. Yeah. Or whatever the brand is it, that it, uses it. It does depend on the locker. <laughs> Detroit's tend to really just kind of be okay with whatever you jump, dump in them. Mm -hmm. um, but like the old GM G80 GovLocks, uh, they were very touchy and it, you hmm. know, that was one of those ones where you want to make sure that you're changing your fluid at regular intervals, yeah. you know, wherever it recommends for your vehicle, 40, 50,000 miles. Um, because once it got too burnt or chewed up, it was causing gut block yeah. failure. Uh, you know, he, his part of his question was, do people do it for noise, uh, to make them quieter? And I, I did say, I've never played around with it enough to know i would think that in a mechanical type locker like a lunchbox where it's just gears teeth pins and springs um that you may get less noise with a heavier gear loop i'm really curious though to find out so if we've got it some would make logical sense yeah logical sense but i've never tried it myself yeah. practical is not always the same <laughs> exactly so we got somebody out there that has um played with that to see, see, I always ran 80W90 in the front of my old XJ with the uh, the lock right in it. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's what I'm running in the um, Brat Pack 60 right now, which has a Spartan and a lock right. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, uh, or I think I had a Spartan in the front. Anyways, they're all basically the same. Yeah. Um, the, um, you know, I, I, I'd be willing once we get Brat Pack back on the road, which is going to be a while because we're doing a frame <laughs> off on it. But, uh you know, I'd be willing to do a test on it, you know, put... That'd be interesting, That doesn't yeah. have a lot of locker noise to begin with. Yeah. But it would be interesting to, you know, put some 80W90, drive around, dump it out, put some 85-140 in there and see if yeah. it's quieter or not. I think at that point, though, we'd really have to get scientific on this one, and we'd have to have another wheeling piece of equipment. We'd have to have a decibel meter. 
Yeah, I mean, we could, we could do that. We could figure that out. <laughs> I mean, are those expensive? Or... I have no idea. I mean, I know I could use them once in a while because I've already peeked through your board a couple of times in this episode. I've heard it, but... Yeah, you're all right. Oh, okay. Um, but it, it might be there, but it's not here, and this oh, okay. is all that really matters. <laughs> but well, Until these lights get all red, then we're, we're good. <laughs> all right. Well, so that's another one, folks. If you are, um, you know, if you've experimented back and forth with, if you've got a mechanical locker, or even if you're running a Detroit or an Eaton or whatever locker you're running, and you have experimented with different gear lube weights to see if you can get, um, you know, uh, noise differences, then pipe up and let us know. I wonder if it makes a difference with a Lincoln locker. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tell you, though, <laughs> I, I do remember there was a time um, with the old school, or no, not the old school, the, um, the Detroit soft lockers, which I think they still make. Mm. They were essentially a tight limited slip, um, but they had the Detroit soft lockers, they were called. That was like the brand or whatever. And guys were saying that if you ran the heavier weight lube in them than was recommended, they would lock up tighter. Mm. They were really tight, limited slip is what they were. Yeah. And um, they were more popular for, like, drag racing applications than they were huh. off-road. But I do know a guy that got a smoking deal on a, on a pair of them, uh, Dana 44 and a 9-inch one. Nice. And he ended up putting it in his old Bronco and wheeling with it. And he ran, pretty sure he ran that 85, 85W140 85 or whatever it was. Nice. Um, and he said it really gripped really well. So. Hmm. I, but I don't know longevity. His truck yeah. was it was a trailer only rig. Go out, wheel, go back yeah. on the trailer. It was not a daily driver. Long term's not really in the picture. Exactly. <laughs> we want to know. You know, we really do want to know this. It's a really interesting uh, yeah. thing for us to study and find hmm. out. Which I, I think we need to do more of that in the future too. I think we need to start maybe eventually a YouTube web series or something where we start testing some of this stuff. I like that. Yeah. And you know, different. I'd be curious to know too. Yeah, I mean, some of it would be fun, some of it maybe oh, yeah. not. Purely non-scientific methods. We're going to just go break stuff and have fun, but is that not the motto of our after show? Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, go out to the garage and break something. Yeah. Uh, I think that, uh, it, which, by the way, that's how we end all our after shows, usually, as long as we're sober enough to remember it. But um, And even then, not always. <laughs> um, Allegedly. You know, and, you know, guys, if you're enjoying this banter with John and I and our history episodes and all that stuff, uh, you really need to get over on Patreon. Um, I, I get it, Patreon. You got to pay for it, but you know it does help support us with the the little costs that we have for our uh, web hosting and for equipment upgrades when we need them. Uh, it really does help out. So if you get out there on uh, Patreon and you know look for uh, John, can tell you more about it in a minute where Hi. to find it and all that, but. Uh, what are you doing with that bottle of water? Um, I noticed a weird reflection on the label. So I'm drinking a bottle of smart water. And you probably won't be able to see it terribly well from your angle there. But there's like a weird shape in the center of the blue label. Mm -hmm. I look on the back and there's a fish on the back side of the label and some text. Mm. I was very confused. <laughs> What's text say? Uh, you can't read it? That's kind of that's kind of an ironic name. Fits into name. cup holders like the palm of your fin. Nice. <laughs> um, that's funny. So uh, basically, I, I do. So the smart water thing, huh. that that's kind of like oxymoronic, isn't it? Because it's like, you know, you just paid five dollars for water or whatever. I got a couple of them. <laughs> and so it's not that smart of not water. Not terribly. No, no, it's just it tastes really good. Oh my god, water's not supposed to have a taste. 
Well, you're tasting the mineral and the content. Oh, <laughs> sure, man. They, they've uh, they've dragged you in hook, line, and sinker, man. Like, I grew up on well water, so. All right. <laughs> John, um, you know, I, I really am enjoying 4x4 Talk. I'm enjoying, uh, you know, talking to people out there. Uh, in this last week, have you had any um, 4x4 adventures? Have you had anything that you've hmm. been uh, working on, any projects? God, I've not really even had time this last week honestly no No, we've been in a in a scramble with uh, everything with the boat uh she's back home now finally good so a few more a couple more weeks we'll be starting uh the season up there our annual inspection still so that'll be it'll be nice to be back out on working on that for sure so i mean other than that not been terribly doing it much of anything did you see the video of me using the excursion the other day yes i did that was cool that was so, really cool uh, i got to test the newly repaired four low on it nice. and uh even though i could have done it in two-wheel drive and i did the next day with a couple other sections um we had a gander mountain we were demoing out there folks and uh, you know because my day job is industrial demolition and uh the top of the storefront um you know 100 something feet of uh uh, you know, basically steel studs and this product called EFIS and all this stuff that was all put together uh, that's just a pain in the butt to have to try to cut apart, saws all get out. Um, I did not have a machine, an excavator on site. Uh, so I ended up throwing a 100-foot strap around up to the roof around a couple of studs up there and put it in four low and backed up the excursion and ripped the entire facade of a gander mountain yeah, off. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, uh, the the old excursion still, even with her weird slipping sometimes reverse and all that, <laughs> had the guts to uh, that awesome. pull that thing down. So that's always fun to use your truck at work every once oh, in yeah. a while like that. I remember once when I worked at the auto parts store, uh, so we, we had to move the dumpster out of the little caged in area to get something from behind it. It was like an old engine crate hoist mm-hmm. that we had. Well, when we went to put it back, from when it was all put together until then, the cement sank in one area. Okay. So the pallet jack we used on the empty dumpster got stuck. Oh. We couldn't move it. So like, hey, you got like a spare tire or something for the Jeep? I'm like, no, but I've got a, you know, wool mat. Why? It's just drive around back. we got to push the dumpster back. Like, Okay. There you go. So, yeah, I got to push a dumpster with my Jeep, which is pretty cool. Uh, we do that <laughs> quite often at work, pull and push them with... Uh, nice. It's, uh, hey, you do what you got to do, right? Yep, yep. The Jeep was able to push it? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was actually before the diesel swap. Nice. Yeah, maybe that's why I broke it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, nah. Well, there you go. Uh, I'm going to put that challenge out for 4x4 <laughs> Talk on Facebook. Um, if you have used your rig for a work purpose for a non-off-roading thing so if you've pushing, used it, pulling or dragging pushing pulling <laughs> dragging uh you know first response uh anything like that chasing tornadoes uh Ooh, you yeah. know if you got video or pictures of your rig being used as a working vehicle uh we would love to see some pictures of it can we count the one the truck from the guys at work that they made remote control and then blew it up with a rocket yes okay put well, some videos up I'll get if I can get permission. I'll do that. Okay, all right. Well, They're on Facebook, so it'd probably be fine. But okay. I want to make sure first. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so if people do that, get get you know, if you've blown up your vehicle for work or <laughs> blown up somebody else's vehicle with your vehicle yeah, for there, work. There we go. I like that one better. So like if you if if you're listening and you're over in the Middle East and you got a Toyota with a 50 cal in the back and you know, <laughs> wait a minute, maybe we don't want you posting those videos. 
no, no, I want to see you blow a truck up. All right. So, uh, but, um, you know, whatever, uh, whatever the case may be, we want to see, uh, you know, you using your vehicles for work and what you've done with your four by four to, uh, use it as your daily workhorse too. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, always cool to see what people do with these things. Uh, absolutely. And if you have a set of those mat tracks installed in place of your wheels, I want to see that. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, the mat tracks with a CKS, we want to see the mat tracks yes. on there as well. Or if you are using mat tracks um, with a X and you have them mounted on your rig, please go on Connor's post and put some pictures up yeah. or show us some awesome pictures of the mat tracks in action and how you're using them. Yeah. And, uh, you know... Same thing, like we said, McCaden's uh, question about the Samurai. Make sure uh, put some uh, pictures of the Samurai with the diesels in there or some some comments about that. You know, lots of, lots of great things. And, you know, uh, without you guys supporting the show, being a listener on here to the, the podcast, to the Wheel and Show, and then going on places like 4x4 Talk and commenting, uh, we wouldn't have a fan base. We wouldn't have a show. So we really appreciate you guys being out there and interacting with us. It is not a pain in the butt. You know, some I know a lot of people don't like necessarily having to deal with the public. By no means are John and I that famous. We're famous in our heads, <laughs> but uh, we're you know we hey, speak for yourself, man. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> so we want to see. Uh, you know, we want to talk to you. We want to interact with you. So oh, for sure. you know send stuff out there and uh myself or john or both of us will probably respond respond to you or you know i know mr bernie and uh ventrusta garage and a lot of other guys they're they're active on four by four talk as well and they're most likely going to respond as well so get on there and you know and yeah, talk about them let's see some of your rigs let's see some pictures of the stickers on them uh so i went down to our buddy jason's house last weekend i don't know a while ago for his brother's bachelor party i don't remember if we discussed this last time or not and in his garage, on one of the cupboards, he's got one of our stickers. Very, which very I nice. took a picture. Oh, I saw that. Cool. I've been there yeah. in person. Yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, that was cool to see that. <laughs> yeah, slap a wheel and sticker on uh, something. You know, I don't know if you're sad yeah, of throw a bat- on the back of the boss's truck. Bass- and don't tell him <laughs> boss's truck. If you're in the military on the side of a battleship or something, you know that would be awesome. <laughs> you know, I would love if, if one of you guys listening over in the Middle East somewhere, let us know. We'll send you guys some stickers. Just plaster them everywhere. There you go. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, um, if people want to find us, we've talked a lot about 4x4 Talk in this I episode. I yeah, I mean, the gist of it, uh, go to Facebook.com. Uh, just look 4x4 Talk. A couple quick questions gets you on the page. And you can start interacting with us and everybody else. See all these pictures we're talking about. Weigh in on these conversations that we're discussing here today. And go from there. Enjoy yourself and have a good time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if you're interested in hearing about the Museum of Offroad Adventure uh, that John and I are both involved in, you want to make sure you go Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and look up Museum of Offroad Adventure. You will find us. We are most active on Facebook, but we are active on the others as well. And the museum is currently open for um, by appointment only due to the worldwide global pandemic stuff. So uh, you can uh, give us a call at 877-FWD-MORA to book an appointment, and we would gladly show you the museum. Love to show you around uh, in Clay Township, Michigan. So uh, with that, John? Well, we're not done yet. I got one more plug. Come on, me. Oh, you do? Yeah, we talked a little bit about Patreon already. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, that's pretty much it. We talked about most of it already. Yeah. But yeah, check it out, patreon.com slash radio. Like you said, there are a lot of the paid episodes to get the up-to-date stuff in the most recent, but we did make a bunch of episodes free. 
Uh, one of our more recent episodes was an interview we did with Pop Pop from One Broken Bulb. That one is free. So check that out. Get kind of a preview of all the cool stuff we do there and all the fun we have with that. Uh, if you're listening, whatever platform you're listening on, make sure you hit like and subscribe on us. Share your favorite episode on whatever social media platform you're doing. And leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. If you got any questions, things you like, don't like, let us know, and we'll go from there. So with that, we'll say thanks for listening, and have a good one, everybody. Bye.